I am J.A. Lovelock, a barrister and an author. Joining me on Behind the Yellow Tape is crime fiction writer Harriet Steele. Harriet's been described as a modern-day Agatha Christie, of which we will learn why in a moment. But it was a trip to Sri Lanka in 2016 that, unbeknownst to Harriet, that trip was to change her writing life forever, or at least for some time to come. Good morning, Harriet. How are you? Good morning. I'm very well, thank you. Oh, good stuff, good stuff. Welcome to the programme. And we will get into your books in a moment. But first, for the few people who do not yet know who you are, tell us a little about yourself and your background. Oh, right. Um, well, I'm, I'm formerly a lawyer. That's how I started out in life. And uh, I went to Cambridge University where I studied law. And after I qualified, I um, worked for some time as a solicitor, um, probably what you'd call a a lawyer in America, and quite enjoyed doing that. Well, I don't think I was really a natural lawyer, but I did enjoy the meeting people and, you know, the interesting cases and things. And then I married and I had children and I did various other legally re- legal-related jobs. Although I ceased to practice as a solicitor, I did quite a lot of voluntary work with organisations in, in the UK. And I think it was about... I mean, I'd always been very fond of writing as a as a child. I, something I'd always enjoyed, and I'd always enjoyed reading. But it wasn't something that I ever considered as a serious option. But um, in 2004, I'd written quite a lot of short stories just for my own pleasure and occasionally had them published in magazines or in anthologies. But in 2004, the BBC over here uh, ran a competition called End of Story, and their idea was that they were going to base a programme on it. And the basis of the competition was that they chose six well-known writers and the people who were entering the competition would have to finish the stories. The well-known writers would write half a story and the entrants would finish off the story, hence the title end of story. So I I entered this and I think there was something like 17 or 18,000 entrants. So I didn't really Mm -hmm. expect to. Mm hear anything more so I was very surprised when I got a telephone call to say I was one of the finalists and they would like me to go up to one of the BBC studios and uh, so off I went and very it was very interesting you know that the panelists were um, there was a a well-known agent uh, a chap called Giles Corrin who is quite a well-known comedian and journalist. Is is, uh, yes it's quite well known now isn't he yes yes he is yes he was he was a young man then. Mm. Yes, he was. Mm. He's quite a young man, but uh, no, he's he's you know he's been very successful, I think, mm. and uh, a couple of other other people. And anyway, I was chosen as one of the the three finalists out of the six of us who who went up in each category and uh, ended up on the program, which was enormous fun. Mm-hmm. And we were taken to a Dartington Literary Festival where we we did an event down there. And the writer I chose was Joanne Harris. I chose her short story to complete. And she very kindly invited us to her home, which is up in the Yorkshire Moors, beautiful place. And we all had a lovely day with her, having tea and chatting to her. And I remember somebody said to her, what advice would you give to aspiring writers? And she just said, well, I'd just say, drop the word aspiring and just write. Mm. And that made me think, well, yes, if you're going to give it a try, you know, you just get on and just get on and try. 
And I started by writing historical novels, uh, which did reasonably well. Uh, but there's a lot of competition in that field. I think there's a lot of competition in the detective story field as well. But I've eventually decided that it, I would try detective stories because something I've always enjoyed reading. And I happen to have spent some time in Sri Lanka, which used to be Ceylon, the British colony of Ceylon. And... Uh, decided it was just a lovely place to set the stories. Before we get into that, Harriet, so you wrote a number of historical novels and successful novels, and Hmm. then you decided to turn to crime um, as a lawyer. Yes, yes. (laughs) I don't know how, I think it's my legal training has helped, helped, of course, inevitably it would help a little bit. But um, the stories are very much in the, style of the sort of golden age mysteries you know there's no because they're set in the 1930s there's no opportunity for modern forensics so tell us about your visit to Sri Lanka in 2016 oh it was it was marvelous um we we traveled a lot we started in Colombo we went to Kandy and went to see some of the archaeological fine remains in the rest of the country and then we went up to the hill country which is the area that particularly struck me because it's so beautiful. I think it's probably the area of Sri Lanka which has the most echoes of the colonial past. A lot of the buildings date from that time. And I think a, a, a lot of people still you know, perhaps have parents who lived through those times or grandparents who lived through those times. And uh, you, know, you still get some of the traditions. I mean, you could be sitting on, a, on a, the lawn of a bungalow surrounded by exotic tropical vegetation and you'll be served a cream tea it's <laughs> it's quite extraordinary mm, mm. You know, lovely some lovely contrasts so yes i think i found it so charming i thought it would be a, a very nice place to set set the books so how long were you in sri lanka for oh i mean just a few weeks i could have stayed much longer and i would love to go back it's something i very much hope i will be able to do eventually so of course i also when i came home i had to do a lot of research around the the country and reading and you know everything I could find. I mean, people like Leonard Wolf spent a lot of time there and wrote very well about it. There's, a lot of people have have written about it, so I did have to supplement my personal experience with with um, reading as well and research. So it clearly had um, such an impact on you that you came up with the idea that you could set your stories there. Yes, mm. I mm. think that's brilliant. I think that's absolutely <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. I mean, I have been to Sri Lanka when I was there in 2019, mm. but it, it didn't occur to me to start a story there. So, <laughs> so I'm, glad, I'm glad you did that. Um, tell us a bit more then about, about your novels. The um, detective. Mm. The detective stories, yes. Um, well, I, I, I don't particularly like the, the noir genre myself, so, so they're not in that sort of vein. There's not a lot of graphic violence or sex or there's not a lot of violence. Well, there isn't any violence against children or animals. They're very much in the vintage style where the person who gets murdered almost always is a not very nice person. I I don't think anybody cries too many tears over them. And then my detective, Shanti De Silva, who's married to an English woman, which I thought would give a little bit of the would make it a bit more interesting you know there's the tension between the two cultures sort of actually comes into his his own home um and he 
has to solve the mysteries with not very many techniques available to him apart from his brain and you know the research he can do so it's and they're much more in the spirit of a Miss Marple or a Poirot than a modern detective story. We'll come on to that more we'll say more yeah, about sure. that in a moment. Sure. Okay. But you're writing about the 1930s and 40s and clearly mm. you you hadn't lived through that period so how do you conjure up that period? Again research I think re- reading and research I mean it's Yes, it's an interesting point, isn't it? There's so many writers of historical novels and all you can do is do as much research as you can and try and imagine yourself back into a into a period. I mean, in my days when I was writing historical novels, I wrote, one was set in Victorian times, one in Elizabethan times and one in uh, 19th century France. And I had to very much rely on, on reading. And I think that's you know, it's the same for, for all writers, really. I know Philippa Gregory, who's probably familiar to you, mm. a very well-known writer about the medieval period, particularly, and also about the Tudor period. I mean, she, she says, you know, you just steep yourself in as much research as you possibly can until you start to feel that, not that you live in that mm. period, of course you can't, but, you know, you, you feel you've got some kind of idea of what it would have been like to read in that period. And that means going, you know, going to all sorts of books to um, try and understand everything about how people would have lived. You know, what what would have been available to them, the sort of books they would have read, and how how far they could have travelled, what, what the attitudes of their time were. So I think you just have to piece together everything you can, and then hope you can re- recreate the period. And how long would that research take? Oh, in the case of the historical novels, it took, I would say, for each book a, a good year. Uh, not quite so long for the De Silva, Inspector De Silva novels, because, of course, having researched the first one, you have a you have a basis for, and although they are chronological, so there's a certain amount of research needed as time goes by. But fundamentally, you know, it is, the basis for it is there, so... Not quite, not so much, quite so much research work to be done there. And when did you publish the first crime novel? The first one was twenty sixteen, about six months after I came back. Mm-hmm. I think I, I was so excited by the trip that uh, I couldn't wait to put mm. pen to paper or mm. finger to keyboard. Anyway, when I got back, you know, I was so sort of in love with the place and so excited by it that I was really keen to get going quickly, and then. Having found that the first one seemed very popular, I decided to write another, and uh, on it went, really. And how many have you written? How many are in the series? I've just published the 12th. Mm. 12th in the series. So, uh, yes, I'm quite, so, quite surprised myself, really. I yeah. think I <laughs> oh, so that is good <laughs> going and, and good, good doing. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. So what is the appeal about your novel? Who would your readers be? I think they're probably... Um, Older, um, older group, possibly around about my age, you know, sixties, seventies, maybe a few younger. Uh, people who who like detective stories as puzzles, you know, they enjoy something which they can apply their brain to and work it out, almost as you'd work out a crossword clue, as you work out a cryptic crossword clue. I think they don't like a lot of violence. Uh, they they don't particularly want troubled characters I think they like I think they like my characters because Inspector De Silva is is 
happily married man. He's not got any terrible problems in his life, although he does have to contend with his British bosses, which of course can always can sometimes be a problem for him, but but nothing too serious. And that, yes, as some of my readers have said, you know, I do portray the the time and the stories are portrayed a little through rosy tinted spectacles. But then I think that's part of what people like. They 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 would rather they want a bit of an escape from all the trials and troubles of our world, which are fairly considerable these days. And I think they just enjoy them as a as a complete switch off, as some people enjoy, you know, some of the television programmes like Downton Abbey and those kind of those kind of programmes. They're a they're a antidote to real life, I think. And I think that's one of the reasons a lot of people like to read. So would they would they not be based on real crimes then? They don't tend to be. Uh, yes, I sometimes I'll read about something that I that gives me an idea, but they're not based directly on real crimes. No, no. And what would you normally use for inspiration? Well, I think things I things I overhear. I mean, things I see in the paper would, would spark off an idea. Um, conversations I hear, you know, conversations I have with other people, or things I overhear. Um, films, even other books, or all, all kinds of things really drawn from all all kinds of places. Sometimes just you know out of purely out of my head, but I think one could say that. But there's probably always something which has sparked off an idea that you, even if you've forgotten that it, that you heard it, I think there's always something that sparks an idea off. Now everything happens in the fictional town of Nuala. Is there a special meaning to that name? Uh, no, not really. It's um, the town I had in mind was called Norelia, which you might know if you've been to Sri Lanka. Um, but it's it's spelt Nuara Elia. It's quite a difficult thing for people to pronounce. I think if they're not Sri Lankan, I wanted to give people something which was easier to pronounce. You know, something short and which is clear to pronounce, and that's why I chose Nuala. So it, it is it is a made up name. And uh, although I've recently discovered it's actually can can be used as a as a first name, I didn't I didn't know that. Somebody wrote to me and said her name actually was Nuala, so she said she was rather charmed that the town in the story is the same name as hers. And I, I think it's just to make it easy for people, and you know, not not a long complicated name that they have to struggle to pronounce. And also, I would pref- I prefer to have a fictional setting, even though it's based quite strongly, in fact, because it means you have more flexibility. You know, you're not limited by where a street actually was or where a house actually was. You can play around with it as you as you like, which makes life very much easier. So your main character is an inspector, Inspector De Silva. Are your books about police procedure and or other things? A little bit about procedure. Um, but again, as I say, because because of the time that's gone by, they're not they're more like an Agatha Christie way of approaching the mystery than a modern book would do because he he has I think fingerprinting was in use by then, but not very many modern techniques. So and you know, modern databases of crime and things of course weren't available to him. So he has to get to his solution very much more by you know 
observing people and little details and things he has to piece together. So it's it's very much more as a as a Poirot mystery would be, or a Miss Marple mystery, or one of the Dorothy Sayers or something. You know, there, there isn't a great deal of they're not really police procedurals. I don't make a great deal out of that in them. They are, you know, they are very much vintage style. So when you're about to start a new novel, do you create a plan so you have uh, the beginning, the middle and the end? Oh, yes, I do. Yes, definitely. I think that's quite important, especially with detective novels, because you could really run into the sand if you don't have some sort of plan to keep to. Uh, I don't always keep to it, of course. I mean, sometimes I get halfway through and I think, oh, there's a better way of doing this. Mm. And, you know, I will change my mind. But I think it's a good idea to have have a plan, have something plotted out. And then you can have a look at it and see whether you think it's going to work. And it, it means that although we can all still fall down plot holes, and I do quite frequently, but uh, I think it makes there's less danger of that if you've got a plan, because hopefully you've ironed all, that, all of that out before you start to write. So I, t- I actually take quite a long time over my plan and do, do it in quite a lot of detail. So, so yes, I, I do, definitely. And do you always know how the book is going to end? Yes. Yeah. And what the characters will do? Do you know what the characters will do? Yes, usually, yes. I think I think it's the middle that can change. I, I usually I find the beginning of a book quite easy because you know you've decided on on the plot and you know how you want to set up the characters and how you want to set up the murder and everything. I usually find that that's quite easy to write. It's it's what comes in the middle that's not so easy. It's getting yourself from the beginning to the denouement in a in a way that makes sense and is but at the same time is is interesting for people to read because I think there is a danger in well any book really that they slump in the middle and I'm sure I'm sure you've read books where you felt there's been a slump in the middle and you know the beginning is good the end is good but the middle is a bit no and that's that's one of the the bane of being a writer too isn't it you start Mm. you start off quite well and you've got an ending Mm. but the middle Mm. sags Yes, the middle sags. Yes, mm. yes, and I think that's the, where the difficult part comes mm. in. You know, trying trying to keep the momentum going and give it some vitality. Mm. Mm. So, as well as Inspector De Silva, are there any other important characters in in the novels? Thanks for listening. I am J. A. Lovelock. Join us next time to hear how Harriet introduces minor characters who are no less important and who assist Inspector De Silva in his crime solving. In the meantime, catch up with more episodes at btytpodcast.com and on all podcast platforms. My name is Bill Huffman, and I am a former Cleveland News producer, and I am now the host of the podcast, Who Killed? I began the show focusing on the unsolved murder of Amy Mahalovic, And now each week, I explore a different case with a focus on some of the victims who don't get the attention they deserve. I have a deep catalog of over 225 episodes, so there is a guarantee there will be something for you. Who Killed is an evergreen podcast, killer podcasts, and slow burn media production. Subscribe today wherever you get your favorite shows.